Everyone has their own version of paradise, whether that's living in a beach town, the mountains, a big city, or in the middle of nowhere. This episode covers the story of a young woman living in her paradise. And then she disappeared, without a trace. I'm your host, Koi, and this is the story of Tiffany Daniels. Tiffany Daniels was born in Dallas, Texas on March 11, 1988. In high school, Tiffany was described as being free-spirited. Her family said that she had an outgoing personality and she showed a lot of interest in art. After high school, with her interest in painting, Tiffany ended up taking a job at Pensacola State College Theater in Pensacola, Florida, where she painted the theater sets. When I talked about paradise in the intro, Pensacola was paradise to Tiffany. She loved the culture and natural attractions. In downtown Pensacola, she attended a lot of blues and swing dance parties. Her house was only a short distance from a 40-mile-long beach in Santa Rosa Island, which is a barrier island on the Gulf of Mexico, sporting white sandy beaches and light blue waters. Tiffany loved going hiking or biking around the dunes on the beaches. While Tiffany was living a life she loved near the beach and had a job she loved, things weren't all perfect. Around the summer of 2013, her parents learned that she was having some financial issues. She lived in a house with a couple of roommates, and the roommates either had a hard time paying rent or they just refused to do it. On several occasions, Tiffany found herself paying the entire rent, which took a very hard strain on her bank account. In July of 2013, her roommates ended up moving out, which left Tiffany in a tough situation again, and she posted an ad on Craigslist to find a new roommate. And I know, this sounds pretty alarming. The person who ended up moving in with her was 54-year-old Gary Nichols. Now, Gary wasn't exactly a stranger to Tiffany. He was the father to one of her friends, and he had just separated from his wife, so he needed somewhere to live. Tiffany's parents were a little uneasy about Gary moving in with her. One reason was that he was a guy, and the other was that he was more than twice her age. Tiffany was 25 at the time, but Gary paid his share of the bills, and he and Tiffany actually got along very well. They both had similar interests, and they had similar pescatarian diets. On August 11th, Tiffany had breakfast with her boyfriend. This was his last day in Pensacola before he moved to Austin, Texas, where he was just accepted into the graduate robotics program at the University of Texas. He wanted Tiffany to move to Austin with him, but she was hesitant. She still wanted to keep their relationship going. She even had plans to go visit him in Austin. She just wasn't ready to leave Pensacola yet. The theater department that Tiffany worked for was scheduled to start preparing sets for the production of Spamalot. Later that night, for inspiration for the production, Tiffany and Gary stayed at the house and they watched Monty Python in the Holy Grail, which was the movie that the theater production was based off of. When the movie was over, Tiffany went to her room and Gary went to his. At five in the morning, 
Gary was woken up to the opening and closing of the front door, which he could hear happening several times. Gary looked out the window from his bedroom, but he couldn't see anything, and he assumed that it was Tiffany, and he went back to bed. Just a few hours later, around 7 in the morning, Gary woke up and he got ready for work. Tiffany's gray Toyota 4Runner was gone, and he figured that she had also left for work. Tiffany arrived at work for her normal time and she began painting the theater sets. She asked her supervisor if she could leave a little early that day and then let him know that she may also need to take the rest of the week off. She didn't explain why and said that she just had things that she needed to take care of. The supervisor told her that she could leave early and that it was okay for her to take the time off. At 4.43 p.m. on August 12th, 2013, Tiffany clocked out of work. She left the theater and hasn't been seen since. Alright, if you would like more episodes of Crime Nerds and also would like to help support the show, there is now a Crime Nerds Patreon page where you can get two extra episodes a month. The episodes this month covers a case from the early 1900s where two extremely smart and wealthy men tried to commit what they believed would be the perfect crime. The second episode covers a more recent disappearance of a young woman after her car was found in the middle of the night at an abandoned farmhouse in Vermont. If you're interested in joining the Patreon page, the link is in the show notes. As always, thank you for the support. Later that evening, Gary became concerned when Tiffany didn't return home by 10. He tried calling her, but she didn't answer. He called his own daughter, Noelle, who told him not to worry about Tiffany. After all, she was an adult. She may have wanted to go out with her own friends. Gary agreed that this was a likely scenario, and he went to bed. The next morning, Gary was even more concerned when Tiffany wasn't home. He tried to call, but couldn't reach her again. That evening, he reached out to Noelle again. She, in turn, contacted Tiffany's parents to let them know about Tiffany. Cindy, who is Tiffany's mom, put together an extensive list of friends that Tiffany had. One by one, they started contacting everybody, but no one had spoken to or seen her. A little bit later in the week, with no luck on where Tiffany may be, they contacted the Pensacola Police Department to report her missing. A detective met with Cindy at Tiffany's house. They began searching the house, looking for any signs of foul play. One of the initial thoughts by friends was that if she left town, she may have gone camping somewhere. This theory was quickly dismissed when they found that her tent was still in her bedroom. The detective then began looking into Tiffany's boyfriend. It seemed pretty odd in the timing of everything. He left town just one day before Tiffany went missing. He cooperated fully with the investigation, providing DNA samples and his fingerprints. Investigators were also able to use his cell phone data to show that he was in Austin, Texas around the time that Tiffany went missing. There was also a theory that maybe Tiffany was depressed. A family member told Investigation Discovery that around that time she seemed to be less outgoing than she normally had been. Gary also went on to say that after Tiffany's boyfriend left, she seemed to be depressed, which seems to be normal. It was a big life change that was happening. Her boyfriend was moving several hours away, and I'm sure that she was still wondering if she made the right choice on staying or not. Even with all of that, her family did not believe that she would hurt herself, 
She had plans to go visit her boyfriend in Austin, and she was looking forward to the trip. But here's where things started getting a little bit weird. The last time that investigators knew that someone saw Tiffany was when she left the theater. After looking at her computer records, investigators were able to determine that Tiffany did return to the house. Not only did she return to the house, but when she did so, Gary was there. When given the time frame, Gary said that he was on the phone with his girlfriend and that he did not hear Tiffany come in the house and that Tiffany never said anything to him. And this seemed odd to Tiffany's family because just earlier that morning, he woke up to the front door opening and shutting. Now, there is the possibility that he wasn't paying attention to anything else and he was just talking on the phone with his girlfriend, but the whole situation just seemed pretty odd. Over the first week that Tiffany was reported missing, her family and friends began passing out flyers and posting them everywhere. Local news stations reported on the case, and soon after, the first piece of evidence was discovered. On August 20th, a jogger, who also happened to know Tiffany and her family, recognized her Toyota 4Runner in a parking lot in Pensacola Beach. It was on the west end of Santa Rosa Island. Inside the vehicle was Tiffany's bicycle, cell phone, purse, wallet, clothes, paintings, a jug of water, and a jar of peanut butter. Investigators had the vehicle towed to a storage area for forensic processing. Investigators found two fingerprints that did not belong to Tiffany. One was on the door handle, and the other was on the steering wheel. Investigators went back to a toll booth that leads to the island where the car was found. They got the video footage and found that the car passed through the toll booth at 7.51 p.m. on August 12th, the night that she went missing. From the video, they were unable to tell if she was alone in the car or if she was even the person driving. Investigators and even Tiffany's family and friends canvassed the area looking for anyone that may have seen Tiffany. But here's where a big problem came into play. The area was full of vacation rentals, so people may have been in and out of the houses with a pretty quick turnaround and not have noticed a thing. There was sand on the tires of the bicycle that was in the car, which led investigators to believe that she had rode it on the beach. A friend of Tiffany's pointed out that there was a meteor shower around that time also, which was something that she would have been interested in watching, and she may have decided to watch it from the beach. So there was the possibility, also, that she watched the meteor shower and then went for a swim, and there could have been an accident where she drowned. Or, the other theory with that is that she was on the beach watching the meteor shower, and then she was met with some sort of foul play. And here was the other problem. Searching a 50-mile-long beach in Florida in August for any sort of evidence is next to impossible. With the tourists and even locals, there's no telling how many people had walked through the area or left things behind. A volunteer organization called Class Kids organized a search using search dogs along the beach. A lot of clothing and jewelry were found, but none of it belonged to Tiffany. Tiffany's parents set up a Facebook page to share information about Tiffany and to help spread the word that their daughter was missing. In January of 2014, a tip through Facebook came in. A woman who was working as a waitress just outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, said that soon after Tiffany's disappearance, a woman that resembled Tiffany came in the restaurant with two other women. 
One woman was about the same age as Tiffany, and the other was a little bit older and dressed much nicer. The two younger women seemed to be acting strange. They were both wearing long sleeve shirts and had their hands tucked inside the sleeves. Neither of them would make eye contact with the waitress, and the older woman did most of the talking. The waitress told one of the women that she resembled the missing woman from Florida. And then their group got up and left. Now, Tiffany's parents, they do believe that this was Tiffany for one big reason. The waitress said that the one who resembled Tiffany did ask about the soups and if they used fish or chicken broth. Sydney remembered a very similar time when she was eating out with Tiffany, where Tiffany talked to her about the difference between chicken and fish broth. Because of her diet, she normally avoided any chicken-based foods. At the time, that information about her diet was not made public. This led Tiffany's parents to believe that she may have been taken against her will and became a victim of human trafficking. Another idea that supported this theory was that Interstate 10 runs from Pensacola to New Orleans and is only about a three-hour drive, so it was a possibility for her to have been transported along that route. Tiffany is still missing, and as of now, her case is still an open investigation. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening.